Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we discuss our experience with studying scripture. Why should we do it? And what is the best mindset when approaching the Bible? Most of us start out of a sense of obligation. This is a valuable starting place, but unchecked, it can lead to guilt, fear, and shame. When studying the Bible becomes an adventure, we start to seek its truth as a treasure hunter. There are difficulties and challenges along the way, but unraveling the love story of Scripture is an incredible journey and one worth taking. So Tim, why do we study the Bible? The why is a really important question that we can ask about anything, but to me, the thing I felt as I think back on my life was guilt about the Bible, really, if you boil it down. It's just an obligation. I'm supposed to, if I'm a Christian and I'm following God, I'm supposed to read the Bible every day. And so I had as a youth kind of this, I need to read a chapter a day sort of thing. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, some good things about that because uh, it, is, it is beneficial. But it was not as transformative, I don't think, as uh, other approaches. So I guess, I guess one of the key things about we could start with is why do Christians feel obligated to do things, to read the Bible? And why do we feel obligated? And I think, I think that it's rooted in uh, this kind of almost universal confusion about acceptance and approval. And you know, acceptance or belonging is, a, is, is an essential human need. You cannot live without it. You must have it. And all of us long for unconditional acceptance, absolutely. We, it's, a, it's, a, I mean, it's a driver. But most of us have grown up with conditional acceptance. You know, I, I will not reject you if you will do this, and I will reject you if you do that. That's what most of us have experienced. And what God offers is, I will accept you as my child un- unconditionally, irrespective of what you do next. I will accept you that way. And there's something about that that we don't like because it requires us to set aside the pride that we could achieve this on our own. And we as humans just don't like that. So it requires a humility to accept that. But I think often it's just not articulated clearly, okay? And, and when, when, when that's articulated, then, then the immediate question is, well, then that means I can just do anything I want to. And uh, the, the answer to that, of course, is yes, you can do anything you want to and still be a child of God, still be in the family. Just like, you know, Joey, if your parents, uh, if your parents decide we don't like Joe anymore, we're casting him out of the family, you would still be their child, right? Even right. if they wouldn't talk to you anymore. And that's the, that's the way it is with us. We're still in the family. Uh, but that doesn't mean that our choices don't still matter and that our father's not still a parent who will discipline us for our own good. And we get those two things mixed up. Am I at risk of being rejected uh, if I'm at risk of being rejected, then I have to come to the Bible with a lot of trepidation 
wondering if I have done things that are going to make me rejected. And I would just say that was my first 20 years or so reading the Bible. You know, how can I keep from getting rejected? And what am I going to read next that's going to tell me I am actually rejected, which is just really bad news. So I kind of always read the Bible with a bit of trepidation that, you know, what's the next thing that's going to tell me I didn't measure up? So, Joey, I don't know what your experience has been, but what, what I want to talk about is how to get away from that into something right. that's much more of an adventure and a life-giving way of doing the Bible. But I think first it's important to just recognize the reality that this is, tends to be where we come from as humans. I certainly did. I, I think it's so important to acknowledge the guilt uh, that we associate. Another part of it for me that stems from the acceptance and approval confusion was um, performance. So I would go to the Bible feeling like I was supposed to, and people would quote scripture around me, and I would be at church, and I felt like I have to figure all of this out, or I'm going to be shamed in my community for not knowing all of the answers to everything and how to cite every chapter and verse. And so I felt uh, like I had to get it all figured out in order to be accepted. And then I felt as though I wasn't figuring it all out. And so kind of come this shame, guilt sort of spiral that made me just very intimidated of Scripture and also served as a kind of veil to prevent me from seeing it for what it was worth and for what it could actually provide for me. And I think my story is very much the same as yours. It, it begins with that um, confusion about the difference between acceptance and approval. And I was trying to perform my way into acceptance, and I felt an obligation to do so. And those two things felt like they were at war in me, and it's because uh, I didn't have a language for, I guess, acceptance and approval and a way to separate those two. But I think for a lot of people, um, it's important for to acknowledge that reality, that there's this sense of obligation uh, that is is... Like you said before, it's not a bad thing in and of itself. It's not like there's no use to that. It's a good place to start in a way, um, but it can become an obstacle if we don't uh, move from, if we don't take that feeling of obligation as a call to obedience and take it as a necessity for acceptance, uh, then, then we're off track and, and that's difficult to readjust and come back from. And I think we're both saying something similar, and this is another thing that's important to acknowledge. Every human, 100% of the time, always, without exception, will always act in a way that we perceive as being in our self-interest. That's just reality. And this idea that spirituality is setting aside your self-interest and doing something for God, that's just fake. Right. None of us are capable of doing that. <laughs> the Bible says, love your neighbor what? As yourself. The presumption is? That you're loving yourself. <laughs> God made us that way. It's okay. You know, It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not God. You know, We are creatures, and we, we pursue self-interest. I perceived my self-interest as seeking approval from God by my performance. What I hear you say is, you perceived your self-interest as being part of a Christian community and performing 
for the people in the Christian community, and that was your proxy for acceptance. That's right. Did you connect that with acceptance with God too, or was that just like, I'm just dealing with what I can see right now. I wasn't really thinking about the unseen. I didn't consciously connect it with God. I think subconsciously there's a sense of if my community doesn't accept me, and especially because I grew up in a very Christian context, mm-hmm. then that was uh, an indication that God himself didn't. But I, I didn't make that connection. I didn't think about it. I was too consumed with the approval of man and trying to get the people around me to uh, to accept me and to validate my identity. And that's where we all start. Right. I mean, look, we, we, all, were, we all were infants, and, then, and we're unaware we're even alive. And then we were two-year-olds, and we started kind of being aware that there's somebody on earth besides us. But we kind of thought that everybody was there to serve our needs. And eventually we grow to the point of awareness that I'm part of something bigger than myself. <laughs> this, this is a growing awareness thing that we're talking about here. So, uh, so, you know, guilt associated with acceptance, gaining acceptance, is actually a bad approach. That's, that's not the right kind of approach. Now, if I say, okay, I'm fully accepted, I'm in God's family, I don't have to do anything, what do I want to do? And we're in a much better place now in our decision tree when we do that. <clears throat> And the appropriate thing to do then is to say, well, I want to do what's best for me. I think that's the honest thing to say. I want to do what's best for me. What is that? And now you have two competing inputs for that. You've got everything the world tells you that's best for you. And the world's primary expertise is in promoting to you all these things that are in your best interest. And the world has an internal champion for that called the flesh. Okay, so that's one thing. And then you've got the spirit telling you what's in your best interest, and it has an internal champion called the spirit. You know, and you've got God and the spirit, and they're actually competing with telling you what's in your best interest. And one of the fleshes in the world's best approaches is to tell you, you have to do this or you'll be rejected. Now, why would that be such a great tactic? <clears throat> because if you believe that, now you're on to conditional acceptance and you're on the world's turf because everything about the world is conditional acceptance. And it's, it is, it is uh, attractive in a sense because we like the sense that we're in control. And if you have kind of conditional acceptance where you can believe I can control being accepted by this manner, it kind of feels good because now I'm in control. And, you know, the reality is it's just false. And it's, and it's hard to see that. So, I, Kylie, I see you nodding real big. Is this one of your uh, wheelhouses? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the feeling of being in control. So um, it's definitely something that I, I wouldn't even say have struggled with. It's something that I do struggle with currently. Um, the feeling, now this is a key thing there, the feeling of it, because you recognize yeah. it's usually an illusion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, how But it could, still feels good. Yeah, yeah. How could I not recognize that it's illusion? There's so many things that happen in 
everyday life that help me to recognize that like I just oh there's nothing I can do except for um I guess control my own choices and the way that I behave within the circumstances that are around me so this is something you do daily you're constantly on well so how do you apply that to bible study so I I cannot studying the bible is not going to cause me to control the world and you're a very tangible person Absolutely. that lives in the moment, and you're not a studious person, right? Reading is not a – you'd much rather build a craft than read something. Absolutely. Probably a lot of our listeners are that way. Mm-hmm. So you need something tangible. So how do you how do, how, how do you go – let me start over. What kind of thinking process causes you to want to read the Bible? Or have you had that experience? I think that I – oscillate between feeling guilty and feeling like I need to and so I do Um, and actually desiring to discover what what's what treasures there yeah what Mm -hmm. what is within this book that is so transformational Um, and so I think I mean, a lot of times, I I really struggle with ideation, too. And so I, a lot of times, will pick up ideas that other people have given me or things that I see other people doing because I am not good with coming up with, Mm -hmm. how do I do this on my own? Mm -hmm. Um, So you're an example. You learn from examples. Yes. Illustrations. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And so I think a lot of times... My husband, Joey, Mm -hmm. uh, talks in parables, uh, and I think that those are probably the best ways for me to actually discover and learn is through stories, uh, through either watching stories play out or talking about them, listening to them, and reading about stories. So uh, that's a great segue into kind of one of my core discoveries is that I could move from obligation to discovery by looking at this as a story. And and I shifted from checking the list today, I've got to do my Bible reading today, <clears throat> to, um, now, and this is important to recognize, there's still a, oh, I have to do this component of this. There's still a mood curve associated with it. <laughs> Just like, like I, in the winter, I hate to take showers. I hate being cold, and I know I'm going to be cold when I get out. But I just like I have to do it, right? And when I get out, I'm glad I did. So there's still a component of, you know, overcoming inertia to go do something that I know is important for me. I, that, I still don't have that. I still have that. <clears throat> it's that's different than guilt. Uh, so, um, but when I go, I say, okay, how can? What's the story here? I, I shifted from checking a box to discovering the story. And that made all the difference for me. <clears throat> There's real people that were involved here. Why did they, why did the Apostle Paul write this? What was he trying to do? What, he didn't just sit down one day and say, well, I guess I gotta write a letter. That's not, that's not the way humans operate. Why, and what would the people that got it have felt? What would they have, what, the, would they, what was the circumstance going on? What would they have, you know why if you're if you're the second generation and you're hearing Moses give this talk in Deuteronomy 
what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Why, why is this here? And then, so that, that's there, and that's a puzzle. You know, I'm unraveling a puzzle because God is telling us there, in this story is life-giving information. But it's, the, it's a real people. It's the people of story. It's a movie. You know, it's a, it's a play. And we get to unravel that. And then at a higher level, the human history is a story. And we're a part of that. And the choices we make in that are part of that fabric. And if you understand the story and how you fit in, it's actually quite exciting. So when, when I do the, all these uh, Yellow Balloon podcasts, that's what I'm trying to convey to the listener is trying to say, you know, my, uh, my work of unraveling the story, I want to give to you to make it easier for you to see the story. And hopefully you can put yourself into the story and, and, and make that a part of your own. That's what I'm trying to accomplish. And that largely reflects, you know, my, my history here. Now, and one of the things I'm always going to be trying to do is show in all these stories that God accepts us unconditionally because that's that is the bedrock it's it's there throughout you could see how god interacts with people but at the same time he's our father and he doesn't want us to self-destruct so god's always putting in our place obstacles or negative consequences to to um, self-destructive behavior to ward off complete destruction you know, he, just like you discipline your child when they're going to stick their tongue in the light socket, a small negative consequence is better than being electrocuted, right? That, that's, what, that's how God interacts with us on an ongoing basis. And that's the way he interacted with Israel. And most of the time, what he would do is uh, let you have what you wanted quicker than you were going to get it so you could see what it was like and turn. That's normally what he would do. Like, okay, you want to eat dirt? Here, why don't you just have a whole tablespoon full and see what you think, and then hopefully you won't ever do that again, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, if, we, if we see this in the context of story and we can put our play, ourselves into it, then I, th- then I think we're really getting what the Bible's about. But, you know, it was written over 1,500 years in completely foreign context, or context foreign to us. We're not desert Bedouins. We're not sheep herders. We're not a subsistence agricultural community anymore. Um, you know, we're not in, in ancient Rome. And so it requires a little bit of work to, to bring that context in, which is where I think the, the Yellow Balloons podcast comes in. So Annabelle, what about you? What's your experience been? Yeah, I think something that was really transformative for me was acknowledging that it's written in a different time in a context that I don't understand. And so I grew up reading the Bible in a Christian context, but something that was really transformational for me was to really understand what it was saying and understanding the context of the people in the stories and what they would have been like in that time and who they are in the context of their community. And so kind of what Kylie was saying about how the Bible has been transformative in the stories, I think for me, growing up, I read it because, again, it was an obligation, but an obligation that I wanted, I was excited about and wanted to learn more about. 
and it really switched when I started to realize and was okay with the fact that it was written in a time that I didn't understand, but that I wanted to learn more about that time, and I wanted to um, build a bridge between what I didn't understand and what I and what the Bible was saying, so that I could really like understand it deeper to really get the message. Because I think without context and without understanding the time period that it was written in, you don't really, oh, you don't always get the deeper message. And I think those the deeper messages allow it to be transformational. Um, More transformational, I yeah. guess. Because even at the surface level, just a, and this is, I think, important to, to acknowledge, you can just take the words without the context. Those are still life-giving. Absolutely. We've yeah. all experienced that, right? And then as you, as you get more context and as you get more insight, it's just more life-giving. It's not like yeah. if you don't dig down and understand all this historical context and know 17 Greek words, you're not really getting any benefit. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is as you, as you gain more context, you just gain more benefit. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think also studying the Old Testament and the New Testament side by side to see the way that they're brought into each other, it allows me to see things I didn't see before. Well, that. hopefully what the Yellow Balloons podcast are doing is making that process that you're speaking about, Annabelle, um, shorter. You know, making that learning curve really steep and really and really quick. That's, that's what we're shooting for. What we're not shooting for is to... Uh, replace that wonderful self-discovery. What we're trying to do is make it where Enhanced. you can you can you, you can see that context quickly, mm-hmm. and then now when you dig, you're you're not trying to just figure out where in the world am I. Mm-hmm. You know you know the context. Now you're putting it in like okay wh- where where am I in this story? Yeah. You know where am I in this story, and wh- what is this telling me now with where I'm at in my life? Because you'll have different passages that speak to you differently as your needs change as you, and, your, and your life changes as you go through. You may uh, have episodes that tell you a lot about parenting that you didn't notice before you had kids, for example. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.